I wasn't ashamed. I was just like, this is a thing that I will gladly talk about for like 30 minutes and is us and is not not connected nearly like nearly enough to this show to put people through. If this show was just Kyle talks about whatever random nerd shit is on his mind, if that were the name of the podcast, then yes, that's what you would all be listening to right now. It's not not that. <laughs> But what it is, is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. What do we do on this show, Kyle, if anyone can explain it yet? <laughs> uh, so on the show, we watch the Big Bang Theory, and we talk about the episode and what happened in it and how we felt about it and try to figure out how other people watching it might feel about it and how the people who made it must have felt about it while it was happening. What was that like to be those people just living through it? That's, let's let's focus on that a bit more later. I think that's a really great thing to, to get into. Uh, as for the specific episode we watched for today's episode, we watched Season 4, Episode 3, which was known as The Zazzy Substitution, uh, in reference to uh, one of Sheldon's many cats he purchases, one of which is particularly Zazzy. Let's get right into the short summary. I think, um, basically, the episode starts with... Uh, Sheldon and uh, Mayim Bialik's character, Amy Farrah Fowler, who is the female version of Sheldon, who is now, um, and I think from this point on, a, a regular. So I think season four, she's officially part of the cast. And um, they are playing a game, I think, that they call counterfactuals, where you present a world where something is just a little bit different than it is in our world. And you have to argue about how that would change everything else. They offer to let Leonard play that with them. Uh, they both then uh, harass Leonard for not being, um, not having the intellectual capacity to play along with them. Leonard silks off to his room. That's that's our cold open. Uh, then we get into the actual episode where, oh, I think they're all at lunch together at the university. All, all of the male nerds. Well, no, absent Sheldon and Amy. Sheldon, Sheldon and Amy come together. Amy starts talking about having uh, uh, to go to the store to pick up uh, feminine hygiene products. All of the nerds get grossed out, except for Sheldon, who seems surprisingly fine with it, which is weird. I thought he'd be the most grossed out because he seems to be the one who's like most uncomfortable just with like human bodies. But on the other hand, you know, he is like... Now, point oh, of order. Go ahead, go uh, ahead. Uh, Sheldon is actually the one who is most fascinated with women's because remember he's the one who has been charting pennies periods on like a chart like a sociopath for years on end. That is something I had completely forgotten about and I am uh, re-horrified to have brought up again. But anyway, so they, they get into this and I think it is the next scene uh, all of the nerds, except for Sheldon and Amy, are no, except for just Amy, are. Uh, oh God, I'm all over the map. Leonard and Sheldon are going back to the apartment, and this is where uh, Leonard kind of confronts Sheldon. Is like, hey, it's great you're getting along with Amy, but she is super condescending and obnoxious, which is something that we expect from you, but we can't handle two of that. And Sheldon takes note and he, he kind of he argues back a little bit and he's like, OK, I get it. But I've been putting up with Penny for however long uh, he says silently, which Leonard takes issue with. But then we cut to the next scene and now it's all the nerds in the apartment except for uh, Amy, Amy, Amy and Sheldon. And 
Raj is drinking and being an asshole. Uh, Wallowitz, uh, I, I made a note here complaining that he's not nearly pervy enough recently. Like, I used to be so annoyed by how gross he always was and how much he's harassing women. And now that he's not doing it, I'm like, I miss my old Wallowitz. But um, so I think Leonard talks a little bit about the, the friction there and how they don't like having Amy around. Penny starts uh, scrubbing her feet with a pumice stone to rub off the calluses. And that's where Sheldon is, uh, Leonard is like, ah, Sheldon may have actually had some good points about how you're kind of obnoxious. Uh, and that's the end of that scene. We cut back to the cafeteria. All the nerds are together again. And this is where real friction starts to develop between Sheldon and Amy. Because Amy makes some sort of offhand comment condescendingly about the entire field of theoretical physics, which Sheldon studies. Uh, as Sheldon kind of, again, fights back and is like, oh, you know, you think neurobiology is so incredible? Like, you know, without my field of study, yours wouldn't exist. And she's like, oh, you know, but like without your field of study, like I could always like, you know, research the processes that led you to your own conclusions. And so I, we wouldn't actually even need you to go on this. And this is where Sheldon... I mean, you could say that he gives in to the other nerds' complaints about Amy being too obnoxious, but I really think it's his own personal pride comes in here, and he's like, Amy, uh, it's been fun. We're done. Sorry, this relationship is over. Amy gets up and leaves. She, she's gone for a while. Sheldon spends the next couple scenes insisting that he is absolutely fine. He has a talk with Penny about it in the laundry room. She's like, hey, just want to make sure you're okay. You know, you seemed a little off lately you know you broke up with your girlfriend Sheldon insists like four or five times through this episode that Amy is not his girlfriend he leaves the, he leaves the uh, the laundry room cut to the next scene Sheldon has purchased a cat Leonard begins to worry cut to the next scene Sheldon has purchased like six cats <laughs> cut to the next scene Sheldon has at least 12 maybe 15 cats Leonard at some point calls in Sheldon's mom who apparently immediately flies up from Texas to Pasadena just to deal with Sheldon's friend breakup. And so what she ends up doing is unbeknownst to uh, Sheldon, she calls Amy into the apartment, has her sit down at the couch, brings Sheldon out, has them sit together and does some very basic reverse psychology on the both of them by suggesting that uh, they're obviously very bad for each other and couldn't be less alike. Uh, Sheldon, again, like, this is his whole thing in this episode, is just pushing back against everyone, uh, hassling him. And this time he's like, no, Mom, like, we couldn't be more alike. We're obviously, like, not in a relationship-wise way, but he's like, we're obviously perfect for each other. Hey, Amy, come check out all my cats. Uh, Sheldon's mom is like, ha ha, got him, it's so easy. Men are so easily manipulable, you wouldn't believe it. And then she does a manipulation thing to Leonard for, like, a half-throwaway joke. Uh, and then we get to our final stinger scene, which is Amy and Sheldon together in a uh, park or in the yard in front of their building or somewhere with a table that says kittens, $20. And they are handing kittens away to small children that are lined up at the table uh, and additionally giving them $20 because they're so desperate to get rid of all of these kittens. End of episode. Any important details that I left out before we get into our discussion? Well, importance is a subjective term. Very uh, much so. A a just anything that you think is worth mentioning before we, we move on. Uh, that first scene doesn't take place in their apartment. It takes place in a, in the Cheesecake Factory. And right. 
And the second apartment scene also doesn't take place in their apartment. It takes place in Penny's apartment because they're all hiding from uh, Shamey, as as uh, Penny insists on calling them. Here's where my brain was at: is when you just said that it took place in Amy's apartment. I mean, in a Penny's apartment, I was like, "Here, Kyle is obviously being ridiculous. The big dumb dumb. I can't believe it." But then. About three seconds later, it registered to me. I was like, I was wondering why their couch was a completely different color. <laughs> so, um, okay. I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders today. But yeah, uh, let, let's get into it then. Now, now that those, uh, those, those details are cleared up. To go right back to the beginning of the episode, this counterfactual game that uh, Amy and Sheldon are playing together it's 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 pretty ridiculous. So the, the the two of them have each made uh trivia cards basically. And uh I can't remember most of them, but I think the one that they present to Leonard is like, you know, this is what would happen if humanity were subjugated by a beaver king or something like yes. that. Are the kind of questions they're dealing with. Also, and what if rhinoceroses were domesticated animals who would win World War Two? Yes, and I believe the correct answer was Uganda for reasons that I, I couldn't participate uh, uh, possibly articulate right now. But like, so that that's like the opening of the episode, and it's it's this way of you know lampooning these two kind of insane intellectuals and the ridiculous things that they have to do to entertain each other, and uh, you know games that nobody else could possibly ever relate to. But when I was watching that, I was like, "Fuck, I would kill to have this kind of relationship." I want to. No. I I want to be on this weird level with somebody where we. It's it's like we're speaking our own language, and also maybe there's something has changed within me, or maybe it's the way Amy was presented in this episode. I can't tell. I was finding Amy to be uh pretty cute, honestly. I was finding myself uh, you know, like a different kind of attraction than than I would have to to Penny. But nonetheless, I was like kind of feeling Amy right now. I don't know. She's I, I like her her cold, matter of fact way of speaking. But I like the fact that she's nonetheless engaged, uh, and and it has um, genuine interest in whatever uh, it happens to be she's talking about. Uh, so yeah, cr- crushing on Amy a little bit. Uh, so, um, but at the same time, I have uh, a complaint about her, which is. Um, and it's not about anything that she does in this episode or or in the series so far, but I'm annoyed. And I think I'm starting to suspect I've brought this up before, but that I'm, I'm annoyed that to give Sheldon a partner or like some sort of um, corresponding character that they couldn't have created a hyper intellectual, bizarre female character with her own unique personality like she is Sheldon, she is just female Sheldon, and I hope she turns into something more later because it's so boring. Like it's like I I want them to have a more interesting relationship and to play off each other in ways that are unexpected. Instead, right now, as was like the the crux of this episode, there she out Sheldoned him is like the the only real conflict that occurs. And I don't know what kind of character I prefer, honestly, but just, you know, something different, someone more dynamic. Like, maybe she could be, for instance, like some sort of like real weird partying punk rock personality that just happens to have like 
superior genius IQ, you know, someone to like which oh scholarly pursuits come along semi effortlessly, but who is nonetheless someone that can exist within that realm and isn't this very much like, you know, button down traditional kind of nerd type. I don't know. Your thoughts, anything else you want to bring up? That's that's where I'm starting today. Uh, I mean, I like that. So I was going to say, yeah, I feel like the character, all of the characters on this show, well, all of the women on this show are sort of one note and then evolve over time. So I definitely feel like uh, Amy has room to grow as a character and we will probably see some of that. Um, I hope so. But also I was going to say it's sort of in keeping with the... uh, with the sense of the show, which is basically, it's this weird, um, it's, it's the opposite of opposites attract. Like it's basically, yeah. it's basically the show just insists that the only way that couples ever work. Um, and I, again, it moves away from this, but like whenever it initially pairs, it's like the, it's like it, it, it insists that it lives in some bizarre universe where the only people who ever end up together are people who are exactly the same in almost every respect. Because, like, because that's essentially, that's the whole problem in, like, the first season, right? It's like, well, there's no way Penny and Leonard could ever be together because he's a, he's a nerdy astrophysicist and she's a blonde waitress actor. So it's like, mm-hmm. when you start from there, it's basically like, how do you, how do you create believable dynamic relationships that allow people to be different i mean even uh we didn't see that much of it but basically so far all we ever had of wallowitz and bernadette like the only thing they have to bond over is the fact that they both um they both have weird relationships with their mothers and that's literally that's literally the only thing that they have oh and they're both also science geeks as it turns out so, but I do like your idea. I think the sh- I feel like the show kind of did this in the episode where uh, they introduced the. Um, I mean, they've introduced a couple of people who have been wildly flirty with Sheldon, and Sheldon has not reciprocated. But I do just I love the idea of like this incredibly hot like punk rock chick who is so smart that Sheldon has no choice but to respect her, and who is also um, like just someone that everybody else on the show could really like and get along with. But I mean, I suppose that is sort of like the whole thing is that like Sheldon is by any normal standards, an unlikable human being most of the time, except when they deliberately occasionally write him to be more likable. So it makes sense that it would be hard. Like maybe one of the reasons they give her basically all of the same social flaws as him is because they have to explain how anybody could put up with him. And the only explanation they can come up with is because they're basically the same person mm-hmm. yeah i think all of that uh more or less makes sense and also i'm realizing after i've said it and after, after you just talked about it a little bit i think the reason i brought up the 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 hardcore partying punk rock intellectual example is because um i went i think uh the year above me in high school i had a, a crush on a, a friend of mine who um herself was a very much like a a punk rock at the time also new metal loving partying uh person who was nonetheless i believe valedictorian of our high school and then went on to do very very well in college I, i i also believe and i think was going to go into like forensic psychology or something like that before uh deciding like oh i don't like to do any of this i'm gonna be a tattoo artist 
Um, and so maybe that's that's just really what I want. I think is what's going on here. A and woman I, who squanders her potential. She's not squandering her potential. She's doing what she's she wants a tattoo with her artist. Life. Yeah, what she enjoys. Jesus now, Christ, Kyle. Now we have something to talk we'll, about. We'll see how she feels about it when her, you know, her 401k is at like $12,000 in 30 years. Um, I, I'm just deliberately being a prick. I know. I I was just ginning up controversy. I get what you're saying. Oh, my um, goodness. What do you but, want, Kyle? What What do you want to see in, in your, your intellectual... Equal or superior, if if you had your your fantasy person, not even necessarily romantically, like, but if if you had like the person that you would most like to spend time with, who could be as different from you as possible, while you would still appreciate and tolerate them, what kind of characteristics would you be looking for? Oh, I'm not bearing my soul about this on our podcast. Then this don't is bear your soul. I Make up know. some shit. I don't know. <laughs> How dare you ask me to talk about my feelings? Oh, my um, goodness. I do like that the central argument between them is is actually, like, which is a priori physics or, uh, or um, you know, psychology, mental states, neurology. Mm-hmm. Um, because that seems, that's like a real philosophical argument. I do actually, I did actually appreciate that, like, the th- the place where they split basically seemed to be one where there it would be very hard for even very smart people to find a real right answer. Meaning, I was actually invested in that argument and sort of understood why they couldn't resolve it. Because who can say who can say where the real origin of reality comes from? Is it the objective universe, or is it only our ability to understand the objective universe? Damn. Uh, that's a question that I don't feel like getting into myself. <laughs> I'd rather talk about my feelings. You can talk about what the true nature of reality is. Um, also, would a woman who is the opposite of me be more out? Like, they would obviously be more extroverted. What? Like, tell me some traits of mine that you think like I have, and then we can figure out what the opposite of those look like. Oh, now you're setting me up for a trap where you're... You're damn right I am. I think you are very... I guess she'd be funny. Is that what you're trying to say, Nick? Fuck you. Uh, 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 collar tug, collar tug. <laughs> um, uh, she would be, a, I think, a real loosey-goosey goofball. I think something that I am a little envious in you is... um. Your, your dedication and focus because I don't think we've really talked about this on the, the show and I'm not going to like get too much into it at risk of making you uncomfortable but as far as nerds go I think I'm very much more traditional in the sense that I'm kind of like I, I'm, a, I'm a slovenly pudgy guy I'm not like a poop socking you know uh, gigantic constantly eating fast food and garbage kind of guy i mean i do love fast food and i need to eat a lot less of it but i'm not like defined or overwhelmed by those traits but you know i i'm i'm I'm, I'm a slob i'm kind of a slob but you kyle on the other hand uh the audience may not know very big into physical fitness training for a long time very seriously in martial arts i think you've got a, a a dedication and stick to that uh, is uncommon. 
And so in your opposite, uh, I think you would either need to be ready to ex- you, oh God, I you you get st- you get stuck with uh, I, 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 I'm trying to say the phrase and as I do it, I choke on the words free spirits. ah yes it's like my nightmare is just like everybody else's manic pixie dream girl fantasy exactly (laughs) except you know you'd you'd be drawn to her but for different reasons people be like oh my god like she's so beautiful and she likes the same music as I like and you'd be following her around like what is this fucking ladies deal like I where does she sleep how does she op? I don't understand. Ugh. Ugh. Yes. Your favorite color can't be autumn. That's a season. <laughs> yeah, no, of course you have synesthesia. No, I know you haven't been diagnosed with it. You just you just have different senses than other people. You goofy asshole. Ugh. Ah, this was a fun game. I do enjoy this tangent that we went on. Back to the show. Uh, You seem to find it weird that uh, Sheldon's mother immediately flies out because he's having a breakdown. But we've seen her do that before. When he lost his job, she basically flew out just because he had started. I mean, I guess that was... That, to me, is so fundamentally different, though. Because, like, wasn't he, like lying in his room like morose and refusing to come out like the cat thing i guess is pretty distressing but he at least seemed in good spirits this was this was like to me like a breakup would have to be pretty fucking severe for parental involvement i well i suppose i mean so the thing that they don't i mean they do actually hint at this because she walks into the room and she's like that is a mighty strong smell yes which is which is I was just imagining all of the parts of owning 15 cats that, that like, the show just alighted over, which is, like, the 15 litter boxes that must be stacked in the closet. Yeah. Um, or, Kyle, in, in high school, uh, my my mom and sister both got into this weird period where uh, they, they really got into cats. And um, so in our household, it was a pretty big house, but, like, not, not, not gigantic, but um, we had six cats. And six cats in a semi-large two-story house was too many cats. That was a lot of upkeep to begin with. And I, I hate to admit it, but there was definitely like a noticeable cat smell. Um, and so Sheldon's mom, like, I think arguably like should have fainted when she walked into that room with the 15 or 20 cats or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I think that's right. We also, when I was uh, a kid in Oklahoma, we had a we had like six or seven cats that were all like part of one litter for a brief period of time. But the coyotes took care of that problem for us. So oh no, oh what they did us a, they did the gene pool a favor. They weeded out the weak and the stupid. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you've done anything wrong. I'm just saying that. Uh... That's a real bummer to think about the poor little kitties getting picked off. But I, that's life, isn't it? Which I guess is something that um, Amy says in this episode, where uh, when when they are all at the Cheesecake Factory in in a, a area I forgot about when I was doing the summary, uh, Penny is trying to make small talk with with all the nerds before taking uh, anyone's order, 
and Penny asks Amy how uh, how she's doing. And I think Amy says something like, uh, oh, you know, same as everyone else, like just uh, dealing with entropy and decay before my inevitable death. Um, and that's another thing that kind of endeared me to Amy. <laughs> yes. I do like – like one of my questions about her is, is – I mean I doubt the show would ever like do this kind of character building. But she comes off as – she says some incredibly rude things to uh, to other people in the – in the group, but all of those rude things are basically things that Sheldon has already said to those people. So yes. really, she's only quoting, like, if I, like, met you, like, some people that you knew and the only things I knew about them were, like, what you had told me and they inclu- and they were just like, oh, that guy's an alcoholic and that guy, you know, beats his wife and that guy, you know, um, is mentally retarded. And then I proceed to treat them all based on those that information – um, I'm not sure that that makes me an asshole. Well, so I think it's a little bit different than that. I think um, it speaks to what you are willing to accept in terms of uh, I call it abuse um, based on your degree of familiarity. And I think it's kind of like this isn't the exact same thing, but I think it's close is if you have a sibling like a like a that you feel somewhat protective over like if either of us had a little brother or a sister and we got really fed up with that sibling and we we called them like a a, a a shitty little idiot or something like that we're like you know that's brother sister talk if a stranger were to call our sibling a shitty little idiot you know we we might want to attack and defend and I think it's yeah. like that. I think they're so used to the abuse from Sheldon that they're like, this is the cost of being a friend with Sheldon. In a way, it's endearing. You know, maybe not endearing, but it's 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 just familiar. But yeah. along comes this new person with the same attitude. Maybe it should go the other way, though. Like, you know, everyone gets so sick of Amy immediately. Like, what if instead Amy shows up and she, like, shines a light on how terrible Sheldon has been to them this whole time? And both are exiled from the group, so the rest can go on happily about the rest of their lives. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I did think that you sort of you uh, you mentioned it, but when he's like, "I put up silently with you and or I and uh, Penny," and he's like, "Silently," I thought that silently that was one of the better jokes in the episode was just him freaking out about the idea that Sheldon was ever quiet in his disapproval of their relationship. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess you're right. It all makes, like, everything that you said makes sense. I guess all I'm trying to say is it seems more like a a failure of emotional intelligence on Amy's part than, uh, like, true... Well, she's obviously not being malevolent in the episode. Like, even when when she's insulting, like, Sheldon's whole career choice, she's not being malevolent. She's just being like, no, it's obvious that neurology is superior to... uh, Theoretical, theoretical physics. physics, yeah. It's a weird thing to, to say or to argue, but I do think it's true in her case that she is being an asshole in good faith. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no malevolence, as you said, which is respectable in a way. I think um, I actually used to, when I was younger, strive in a way to be like that because to me, being forthright and just being right in the first place seemed so much more important to me than like being understanding or compassionate. Like I thought that in itself was a virtue. 
And then later on, uh, when I became an early internet person, I think uh, I, I started to adopt the view is if you don't tell someone how much they suck, how will they ever know? <laughs> and now I'm such a sweetie. I don't know how I became such a sweetie. Well, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think we all, at least all dudes or many dudes go through that phase where it's like, it's more important to like be right than be nice and then some people just never grow out of it, and those people become the other type of toxic internet culture assholes that we all hate dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know what, Kyle? This has been fun so far, but I'm almost—I would almost prefer to start getting into our nerd thing rather than to bring up another episode discussion topic. But I want to give you the opportunity to bring up anything else you would like to. I'm saying I'm throwing in my towel. You make your choice. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's... Oh, uh, so I did notice that we've talked about this before, but this got commented on this time. So I thought worth bringing up Raj in this episode just randomly is drunk. And I don't know why he... Like, it's just a weird context, because it's not like the rest of the group is is drinking. It's just in the one scene where they're all together mm-hmm. in Penny's apartment. He's Raj is just randomly, him. like, like eight beers deep and being a complete asshole. And so we finally get the answer to the question, because Penny is like, I hate that you're such a jerk when you drink. And uh, Wallowitz says, oh, no, he's like this all the time. You just can't hear it, because he yes. doesn't. And it's like, well, there you go. Question settled. Well, and I thought it was a little interesting, too, um, that he was a jerk in such a specific way. He, like, he wasn't just, like, being mead. He wasn't being, like, sexually suggestive. He was very much being, like, the uh, the boyfriend or husband that takes their, their partner for granted. Because it was like, oh, hey, could you go get me? Because I guess he's drinking. Is Coors the silver bullet? I'm going to say it's the silver bullet. But it's like, hey, could you go get me another silver bullet, honey? <laughs> and shit like that. And I don't know. Like, is that... It's weird that someone who I think is the only one in this show that has not had any relationship so far is the first to take on the mannerisms of someone who has been in a bad relationship for a long time. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, that is an interesting point. My last thing about the episode... My the the lines that made me uh, you can tell that I bet the writers of this show just enjoy writing Sheldon's mom's dialogue more than anybody else just because it's all like basically like stylized redneck mildly racist um, yeah some 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 Jewish comments that aren't the, pers- yeah. like uh, like on their face offensive but are not great yeah I thought it, I don't know I thought it was a it was it was pro- it was probably an offensive line but I did I in all honesty it was the biggest laugh the episode got out of me was he's named all of his cats or most of his cats after the Manhattan Project so when he's introducing yes. it to his mom he's like this is J Robert Oppenheimer this is Enrico Fermi this is and so she's like yeah yeah I get it you bought a bunch of cats and gave them all cute Jewish names yes and just something about the con- the combination of like that ignorance and also that uh that willingness to be vaguely uh anti-semitic was just uh it was just it was a good character beat even if it was probably offensive so with that bit of uh anti-semitism let us move on to our nerd thing for the week <laughs>
I'm I'm half-assing mine this week, but I do have something. Would you, would you like to go first, or should I? No, please, after you. Okay, so... Because um, I'm half-assing, too. I have been on a Coen Brothers catch-up kick trying to watch any uh, Coen Brothers films I haven't seen so far. I, I did rewatch um, No Country for Old Men, though, which is still fantastic. I watched Hail Caesar, which oh, I, I love that one. Ooh, I, I thought it was fine. It like, like I liked it's weird. Like I feel like I liked all of the individual parts of it, like the performances and the smaller arcs and everything. But I never really felt like it came together in a way that I appreciated. Um, I watched A Serious Man, which I, I worry that whatever fans we have might but uh come after me for this i hate it that that movie makes me so uncomfortable i've never been able to finish it it's just so tense <laughs> like the num- the the sense of dread is yeah just, it's just so omnipresent that i find it really hard to watch but the, the reason i'm saying i'm half-assing it this week though is i've been on this coen brothers kick but i'm going to recommend something that is not itself a direct coen brothers project I started watching the Fargo TV show. Oh, yeah. And I'm only a few episodes in, but oh, oh, love it. Love the show so far. Like, I think it'll have to go a long way to disappoint me um, based on uh, my, my experience up just to the first episodes. But like, and I'm not going to ruin anything, so I'm not going to get into too much detail. But it's basically, um, oh, what is it? Martin Freeman plays a very much... Uh, not even a lovable loser, just a loser. Like, he's a bad insurance salesman. Uh, he's got that Minnesota nice affectation where, like, he's not even... Pa- I guess I keep trying to, like, make him out to be more than he is. I was going to say he's passive-aggressive, you know, in a nice way. Not true. He's just passive. He's just getting shit on left and right. That's his whole character. Um, his wife doesn't respect him. He's getting bullied by someone. He's in his, like... I think he's supposed to be 40 in the show and he keeps getting he's continuing to get bullied by someone that he knew from high school and not just like a little ribbing but like very seriously like dangerously bullied and then a bunch of stuff happens and and meanwhile and then billy bob thornton shows up out of the blue yeah um and even though uh well so i think the show actually opens with billy bob thornton so i don't feel bad saying this i don't think this is a spoiler But, like, the first scene is Billy Bob Thornton driving a car through some lonely road in the frozen uh, roads. It's not even in Fargo, but it's in somewhere outside of Fargo. The greater Fargo area, I guess you could say. Some deer run in front of his car. He hits one, ends up spinning out off the side of the road, uh, and his trunk pops open. And uh, someone jumps out of the trunk and starts running off into the cold. And that's that's how the show opens. And then we cut to Martin Freeman's life and how terrible it is. And then things just build and build and build on each uh, other from there. And get, saying anything more than that, I think, is spoiler territory. But, oh, it's so good. Billy Bob Thornton. I haven't thought about him in a long time. And he's not someone I've ever really had strong feelings about one way or the other. Like, I've certainly never disliked him, but there's never been a Billy Bob Thornton performance where I was like... Oh, God. God. Can't get enough of it. Gotta have it. But uh, in this show... Oh, he's great. He's uh, he's he's like such a cold, 
sociopath who nonetheless is like so funny and charming. Um, this is like the Billy Bob Thornton I've always wanted. I remember like reading some snippet of an article years and years ago where like Billy Bob Thornton was kind of like uh, quizzically humble bragging about like how many women he slept with. He's like, I don't know what it is. They've always just been drawn to me. And at the time I was like, Billy Bob Thornton? Really? But now that I'm watching this show, I'm like, I get it. Oh, he's magical. And so um, I'm just going to leave it there. The Fargo TV series. Hopefully it doesn't turn into dump. But everything I've seen so far has been great. That that's my nerd recommendation. Kyle, your turn. Well, I was, I'm gonna say a couple. First off, I am. Um, yeah, the first season of Fargo was pretty critically acclaimed. I think all every season there's been people have loved it, but the first season was just like universally everybody was like, "This is the best thing on TV right now." Uh, I've seen the whole first season. It's very good, um, and every season is its own story, which is also a nice touch. Also, if you like Billy Bob Thornton and the Coen Brothers, he was in a movie I've never seen called The Man Who Wasn't There, which is like a, the Coen Brothers' most noir picture. It's in black and white. It's supposed to be really good. I've never seen it. Um, but you might want to check that out. All right. Um, my favorite, you know, I think Hail Caesar is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I, I would never argue that it's the best Coen Brothers movie, but it is my favorite. I think because the stakes are so low, I just find it like I can watch it more than once like a year without feeling incredibly stressed. So like all, all the singing and dancing and the communists and whatever, it's all like kind of a big joke in service of a larger argument, which I find fun. Anyway, I could have a whole cup before completely moving on. I will say this about hail Caesar. Like I said, I did like a lot of individual parts to it. I will say in particular Channing Tatum's whole performance uh, is gorgeous. Uh, Yeah. His dance sequence well, the dance sequence is, like, just where it starts. And, like, I, I, again, like, I think saying anything other than referencing his dance sequence would also be a spoiler. But, um, yeah, knocks it out of the park in that movie. So, sorry. Just want well, to I get that in. I loved, you know, I love the guy who's the cowboy in that movie. And I watched all of Solo without realizing that that was the same actor. And then I got really <laughs> mad. I got really mad at how, again at how bad Solo is as a movie, considering that I thought the guy was so good as like you know, <laughs> sort of a redneck cowboy character. So you, it seems like they should have been able to make that work. Yeah. Um, I forget that couldn't. I haven't seen Solo. Maybe I will someday. Who knows? I think the real point of that movie is just like people always talk about how like Hollywood in the golden age, like like people are super nostalgic for it. But I feel like the whole point of that movie is like, look, everybody who's working in Hollywood now could have been in those movies. Like, like Gene Kelly is cool, but he's not actually like a better singer, dancer, actor than Channing Tatum. We just don't make those. We just don't make singing in the rain in the 20th century, 21st century, which is why you don't. And like Scarlett Johansson could be like any of those fucking like star turning actresses from back in the day that's just not the kind of movies we make now yeah um anyway i didn't really have a recommendation this week which is why i was letting you talk for so long and i gave Um, you that time come on buddy i so i came up with something i'd i'd almost forgotten i watched business you know as long as we're talking about i watched roadhouse for the first time in a long time that's still pretty good i saw that for the first time like three months ago (laughs) it's it's pretty good I mean, it's not it's not great, 
But it is like, as far as like 80s movies go, it's a pretty good, like, I think it's actually a, for like, as bad, basically what I'm saying, for as bad as you can imagine a movie with the premise of Roadhouse being, it is actually quite good. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Roadhouse, for people who don't know, is about uh, Patrick Swayze plays a bouncer who, uh, not just any bouncer, he is like one of, he's a world-class cooler, which means it's his job to like keep the peace at, at bars and nightclubs. And uh, he gets hired basically by this um, shithole roadhouse in the middle of nowhere with like problems with like biker gangs and, you know, other things to like come in and clean it up and make it respectable so the owner can turn a profit. And uh, so he drives in. And so a couple of things I noticed about it. Uh, it's surprisingly like Phyllis, like the main thing I noticed is how like considering all of like our current conversations um that we're having right now it's strangely topical because a whole portion of the movie is like about like what's what's the appropriate level use of force and what's the appropriate like level of hostility to use when someone is causing a problem and like patrick swayze's whole like revolutionary in the film idea is just like just be nice to people like even if you're even if your job is to like show them the door it's like be nice to them unless they're actively trying to stab you just be like okay this is a good conversation please let's let's leave now go somewhere else Yeah, and, well, I uh, think there—I can't remember exactly what the insult is, and so I'm probably going to get it wrong. But like, you know, like when he's training the initial pack of bouncers and bartenders or whatever after he gets hired, you know, he's like, "Your job is to stay cool. Like, people are going to come at you. Like, an insult is just an effort to gain an emotional reaction." And some guys are like, "Well, like, what if someone calls your mother a cocksucker or whatever?" And it's like, then you smile at him and you tell him to have a nice day. Like, he's not doing anything to you. Yeah, it's just, it's sort of a, so basically one of the takeaways I had is that the bouncers in Roadhouse are better trained than the police, which is sort of a, a tw- it's a shitty tweet, but it feels like a real tweet. Um, and then the other thing is that the bad guy of the movie is just a rich asshole who is kind of a bully and thinks he should be in charge of everything just because he has the most money. But mm-hmm. I can't. You know, I'm pretty sure that's like a stock villain in uh, all movies for all time. But just the level of like just blatant, like, I don't have to give a fuck about anyone because I have all the money narcissism of this particular character. (laughs) You know, it's really nice to see him get his ass kicked at the end of the movie. Um, Oh, and finally, this has nothing to do with thematics. But the weirdest thing about the movie is all the dudes in that movie look like, other than Patrick Swayze, look like dudes you would see hanging out at a uh, at a grimy roadhouse in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, right? They're all, like, sort of, like, rat-eyed, weasley, beer-bellied, balding dudes. And then all the women in that movie, with, like, one or two exceptions, are freakishly attractive, like... 80s like extras out of Baywatch mm-hmm. and it was like Jesus Christ you hear about unrealistic standards for women in movies but I don't think I had ever seen anything that made it where it just like popped out to me with this level of shamelessness it's it's particularly crazy because most of the scenes are set in a bar and so you're like well it makes sense that all the people in the bar it's you know they're tr- like all the women they're trying to put on their best face so they wear a lot of makeup and whatever and they're hot but like 
his love interest in the movie, he meets her in a hospital, and she is also like an eight foot tall, leggy blonde with platinum hair. And I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was fun. It's a fun little movie. It's it's fun. Like Patrick Swayze's like whole character is basically, and it is a deliberate inversion of everything you think a character who lives to like you know beat people up for causing trouble in in bars should be and so i sort of appreciated uh what i what i think at the time was pretty clever screenwriting if a mediocre movie overall i would still recommend it yeah i mean not my nerd recommendation but i would also recommend it's i heard about this movie for years and years always as a big joke you know and so when i finally decided to sit down and watch it i was i was expecting a good bad movie and it's not not that, but it's uh, it's got some real legitimate uh positive qualities to it. Yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Yes. So long as you know what you're getting into, you know, like yes, yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Now that we've gone through our nerd things, Kyle, how are you feeling? How, how are you feeling leaving leaving behind this episode? Do you feel clean? Do you feel wholesome? Yeah. Good, good, I'm good. ready. <clears throat> I'm ready to move on. All right. Well, let's get back to uh, doing our best to survive this pandemic as we continue on to other frivolous activities for the next two weeks until we get back to the real important Lord's work of watching this garbage-ass television show and, and telling people about it. <laughs> <laughs>